I'm Nurse Jessica Seitz, along with Nurse Erica. We're Nurses Uncorked, the podcast that takes nursing facts with nursing comedy and makes a little cocktail out of it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Nurses Uncorked again. This is Nurse Jessica Seitz, along with Nurse Erica. And I thought it'd be great today for Nurse Erica and I to kind of continue on from the last podcast that we had, which um, we were talking about a strike that we had been at um, in Everett, Washington, a five-day strike. And um, I was kind of teasing Erica a little bit on that last episode about how people see her show up to these strikes and they are just enamored at, you know, they're looking at the, the, the God of nursing education. (laughs) It's a good way to look at it. Goddess, God, goddess no. Erica of nursing facts <laughs> and nursing uh, fairness. How 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 can you help us? But in in teasing her, honestly though, people do ask her great questions and about how did she learn so much? How does she know so much about? You know, I, this is actually interesting to me because I I'm learning a lot from Erica. I've told you guys that. Um, you know, I think a lot of times nurses get in a not in a rut, but they, they're in their day-to-day job, they're busy, they're doing their thing. And it, it's not like your uh, nursing administration is presenting you with information about uh, what's fair and what's not fair in the nursing no. world. So um, let's dive into that a little bit, Erica. How do you know so much about unions and strikes and all sorts of things? Yeah. The vast majority of stuff I talk about, I have lived and I have been through personally. Uh, and sometimes there were success stories and sometimes they were failures. And But I, either way, I learned what works for the next time around. And so I've been a union member of two different unions at two different places. And uh, at the last one, a hospital that I worked at for nearly close to a decade, uh, I was promoted from a staff nurse to basically a unit manager. Uh, and it was kind of a restructuring hospital-wide. So there were a lot of us that were promoted like that. Uh, and as part of that, we had to uh, relinquish, I guess, our membership in the union because managers cannot be part of the union. And that that was kind of tough for me to do that. Um, and it actually kept me from agreeing to take the position until the very last minute. Uh, but I did. And so as part of that process, we were told, all of us that were promoted hospital-wide were told, um, down the line, you can petition the union to represent you guys as like supervisors, that it would be the same union, but kind of a separate group, a separate class, you know. Um, and so we kind of all were hoping and waiting for that. And so we get promoted. We're in this position for quite a while, like I don't know, a year and a half, maybe something like that. And then uh, we're like, okay, well, whatever happened to us being part of the union again in the future? So a couple of us reached out to the union and, you know, we're having this dialogue and we're getting nowhere. It's like crickets and stall tactics. And uh, coinciding with that, there's just a bunch of just really corrupt things happening at this hospital, like a lot a lot. And everyone is very upset across the board. And um, it's a county hospital. 
And so we knew that county commissioners uh, were involved heavily with this hospital, part of like the board. And a couple of them were known to be very corrupt and in the back pocket of like the medical director and a lot of kind of untoward things. And uh, so as part of this trying to get represented by the union again, um, I start reaching out to county commissioners because that's me. (laughs) And before I know it. I have a meeting with a county commissioner and there was about four or five of us that went and uh, it also kind of coincided with the hospital trying to fire me, which is a whole other crazy story that I'll have to share some other time. But yeah, Um, spoiler alert, they tried to follow me or fire me for following hospital policy to keep a pediatric patient safe. So (laughs) how dare you? How dare you follow the policy? When I tell you it's corrupt, it's corrupt. Uh, But so we end up at this county commissioner's office and we're like, hey, look, uh, there's a group of us, um, quite a large group. We were told we could unionize. The union is not helping us. We've reached out to county commissioners. We're getting nowhere. Um, You know, there's all this corruption happening. And this county commissioner, nice guy, says to us, "Um, you know, have you ever thought about another union? And it was like a light bulb went off because I hadn't. I just assumed I didn't know then a lot of the stuff I know now. I just assumed we had to go through the union that was already at that hospital. Hmm. And he said, no, you you can go to any union. Uh, and he said, hold on. So he leaves the room, comes back like 20 minutes later with an attorney for the Teamsters Union, which really? is not the union that was at that hospital. Yeah, the Teamsters attorney walks in with the county commissioner. Nice guy. Um, Ultimately, he ended up helping me with my case um, with the hospital trying to fire me. But um, he's like, yeah, so I represent Teamsters and um, let me set up a meeting. And before we know it, we are at like Teamsters headquarters and we're we're meeting with like the president of this local um, division of the Teamsters. And it it was just crazy the way that this all kind of unraveled. And he's like, okay, well, you need to, you know, get, um, find out how many people are interested. Um, we need to get union cards signed. We start the whole process. Well, of course the hospital catches wind of this, like they always do, even though you try to keep it quiet. Yep. And so the full on, full force uh, union busting campaign starts. And they start with the uh, captive audience meetings, which for those that don't know is they make all these mandatory meetings and you have to attend. And it's usually like after your 12 hour shift when you're exhausted and they will make it an hour hour and a half, two hours, like it's long and people are sick of being there. And they, it's not just once, they'll make you go again and again and again, it can drag on for months. And they tell you that it's like a labor expert in there or an attorney that wants to talk to you. No, they are union busters. They're just not calling them union busters and they cost hospitals millions of dollars and they will gladly spend any amount to keep the union out. So we go in there, all of us managers, um, we're all collectively like, yes, we need to unionize. This place is terrible. We need our rights, blah, blah, blah. And we're all on the same page. And when I tell you that I witnessed almost all of these people, and I think there was like 
90 of us, I want to say ish, um, by the end were drinking the Kool-Aid. They were absolutely believing all of the scare tactics and all of the union busting. And it was very, very difficult for me to watch as one of the few who could see through the bullshit and go, yeah, you know, they're just trying to scare us. That's not actually true. Uh, but they fell for it, hook, line, and sinker by the end. And this this went on for months and months, these meetings. And they would just, you know, bring in the labor expert union buster to say things like, well, you know, we just can't um, really guarantee what's going to happen with your pension. Because this is a hospital that had one of the rare hospitals that has an actual pension for nurses. Um, you know, things like that that were totally untrue. But just putting that fear, planting that fear in their minds was all it took. Uh, and so then the hospital tried um, doing the thing where they they mess with your job classifications. So you can be classified as like an exempt or a non-exempt worker. And they tried to say because we okay. were management that we were not the right classification, that they would, um, we were not eligible for the union. So that took months of fighting that and trying to determine how many of us there were, because if the hospital can skew the total number of um, potential union members, then it messes with how many union cards you need signed and if you can have an election or not, because you need a percentage. So they would just constantly be like, well, no, this person is only per diem, so they don't count. And this person is whatever, so they don't count. So it was just this ongoing, terrible manipulating the numbers game. Um, and through it all, I'm just getting closer and closer to the Teamsters. <laughs> yeah. And before I know it, we're like, we're having drinks with the president and we're going out to dinner with the president <laughs> Teamsters. Uh, a small group of us that were really pushing Erica, for people this that don't movement. really know, tell, what, tell them what the Teamsters are. Because some people don't, don't really they're, know what They're a union, that you... a really powerful powerful union. They're nationwide. They represent all sorts of different um, professions and industries. Um, not so much nurses, although they do in some areas, but just a wide variety. And they're, they're powerful. And it kind of, you know, they have a, gr a reputation that's kind of badass. You know, it, it almost makes you think of like the old school mob days and stuff like it, that it, um, they they're when i saw them roll into that one strike oh the yeah first strike we were at it was like i felt like it was like motorcycle <laughs> i know i'm all i'm all I'm a whoop your ass um yeah like, it, like like a badass vibe i i was like yeah i i was very enamored by the t in this big truck i mean the truck mm -hmm. is ginormous and but yeah they're they seem very powerful. Like I was very impressed, yeah. but they're very supportive of anybody that, you know, is fighting for what they believe in. They support, you know, the union. So when they can, they stop by these strikes, right? Erica to show their support. Isn't yeah. That they have this like famous, um, they have more than one famous big union truck that's all decked out that says Teamsters on the side. It's a sight to behold, and it has the loudest horn in the world. Oh, it's and so an amazing horn. Often, it's amazing. I love that they will horn. often drive by strikes and just like lay on the horn, and it's great. It's just like a boost, you know, to give everyone a boost to keep going. Um, and so I, I felt really good about like of all the unions, 
for for me to bring in the Teamsters of all the unions. That would be like, a, that's yeah. Just, it would be amazing. Such a coup, like so badass, you know. And I know that the hospital was like shaking in their boots, you know. They hated the union they already had. The thought of them having to deal with a second union, let alone the Teamsters, I'm sure was like <laughs> more than um, they ever wanted to deal with. And so when I say they went hardcore with the union busting, like hardcore for months and months and months. They spared no expense. They did every dirty thing that they could do. Um, all the threats, all the manipulation. And then they would, there was something to do with like, um, for our job classification, you know, it, so if you get paid overtime, um, and you're an hourly worker versus if you're salaried and you, um, don't get paid overtime if you work more than 40. Right. So when it was convenient for them for a month or two at a time, they would suddenly start paying us all our overtime. Cause as managers, we worked a ton of overtime. Uh, and then mm -hmm. when they wanted to flip it and say, Oh, they're not that job classification. Suddenly we would get a memo from the CNO saying that we no longer qualify for overtime. This changed like on a monthly basis. It was comical. They would go back and They're forth, playing back games and forth, with trying to manipulate, yeah. absolutely right. playing all the games, trying to change our job classification to say that we don't qualify to be, it was dirty. One of the dirtiest, um, union organizing processes I think that I've ever heard of. And it was brutal. It went on forever. And we just kept having meetings with the Teamsters and getting everyone to come to these meetings. And then there were, there were, um, moles, you know, you, you can tell the ones that are uh, claiming to be interested in the union. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. passing on, um, what's up, Sherry, we know who you are. <laughs> passing Sherry. on the information. Sherry. Oh, Sherry. Yeah. Um, Sherry, Sherry <laughs> to management and yeah, it, it, it got ugly. And some of us got really close with the organizing team, with the union. We were talking to them on a daily basis. They would come and they would pick up the cards that we would have signed. And it just went on and on. And in the middle of this, um, the hospital still trying to fire me. I had to fight that for months and months and months. Um, ultimately with that, and I'll tell that story one day, ultimately I won and, um, they, I got a fat paycheck. They had to bring me back, make me whole, reinstate me, do all the things. It, it was beautiful in the end, but I was fighting these two things simultaneously. And, uh, I don't even know how long this went on. Maybe God, a nine months, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. So, in, and so in doing all of this is this is how you were learning all the ins and outs of what goes on. Yeah. With. Yeah. I mean, I think I had heard the term union, union buster busting. before. Yeah. I mean, you but were I seeing didn't it really firsthand. Know. Yeah. I didn't really know what were it the, entailed. Were and the Teamsters like educating you? Did you feel like you'd be like, hey, this is what they're doing and they they explained it to you. Well, that's because blah, blah, blah. Like, was it kind of yes. like that or? Yeah, but it was almost, um, it was like after the fact, after things would happen and we would bring it up, then they would. And I, I do think that this is where unions across the board, most unions drop the ball is they do not put a lot of time or energy or value into 
educating nurses on what's probably going to happen before it happens. And so when nurses meet with me that want to unionize, I spend a lot of time going, this is what's going to happen. These are the captive audience meetings. These are the threats they're going to make. This is what you can expect. So that when they happen, they're like, oh, there it is. There it is. She was right. I knew that she was told coming. me. And they don't fall for yeah. it. But unions don't typically do that. And and that's where they really drop the ball. So yeah, I've experienced all this union busting, uh, union organizing process myself firsthand. And I've learned a lot because I've been through a lot. And uh, when people ask me, like, how do you know all this? It's, it's truly trial and error. It's truly just because I am a person that has always had a voice that always um, will research things and not just accept what is said or handed to them. And so I've been through all these things. I've, I've seen it myself. And like I said, sometimes they worked out really well and they were success stories and sometimes they didn't. But then I learned from it. Yeah. And made sure not to repeat the same mistakes the next time. And that's how I'm kind of able to help a lot of people. How often would you say that a union separates like representing management versus, because you know I'm learning here, versus representing um, just staff or how often do they represent everybody together? I'm, I don't really, for those that don't understand, because I don't, why is that frowned upon or why would that be separated? They almost never represent management at all. And a lot of it has to do with the job classification. These are usually salaried employees. Okay. Uh, but my particular position was kind of a hybrid position. And this was hospital-wide when, when the CNO wanted to restructure. So we, would, um, we were supposed to have two eight-hour shifts per week as management in the office doing all the unit manager things. And two 12-hour shifts per week as the charge nurse on the unit. So it was a hybrid position, which is what made us qualify for it. But because of that, it got very convoluted. And so they would say, well, you're not really a nurse. You're not really doing patient care because you're just the charge nurse. Well, you know, charge nurses take patients all the time. So that was not true and at charge all. Nurses that was one of the ways usually... that they tried to manipulate it. I don't think chargers, I mean, at least where I work, charge nurses aren't usually salary. I mean, they're hourly workers. Right. Most of the time, not. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, they usually don't represent management, but because our situation was unique, we did qualify. Okay. That, that makes sense. So technically anything in management is seen as, you know, <laughs> the other Ineligible. side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because. Yeah you know, they're the ones that are kind of laying down the, uh, the, the things that nurses have to abide by and all this kind of hoopla. So it's kind of a, a contraindication, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah I get that now, but yeah, I'm, I'm understanding here what, what you're saying. So are they usually not like supported by a union? Are they usually just out on their, on their own or, um, management? Of, I'm not talking about your hybrid thing like the the role that you were in I'm talking about yeah management or do managers in hospitals do that are unionized do they usually go out and try to seek their own type of representation or it's not no. needed 
No, nope. not at all. It's it it just almost never happens. Okay. Uh, management is really just part of admin and okay. actually it's interesting because when nurses try to unionize, the ones that the union busters will strategically target are the are the managers, like the low level unit managers. Those are the ones that they will put all of their time and effort into manipulating um because they're the ones that are going to be the bridge between the frontline staff and admin, you know, and they're the ones that are going to typically drink the Kool-Aid and fall for it and fall to the pressure of admin and report all the things they're hearing on the unit and lay the little, you know, plant the the seeds in the nurse's ears about how, you know, um, I'm not going to be able to be your manager anymore because the union and we won't be able to talk like this anymore because the union, you know, lies Mm -hmm. upon lies upon lies. But yeah, they strategically typically target the managers in union busting and manipulate the hell out of them. It's crazy to me hearing a situation, but the it's crazy to hear that the hospital is willing to put so much money into the union busting, but they don't want to put money into the things that we really need money put into, which would fix a lot of the problems. It's kind of comical. um, If you think about it, like it's like yeah. they're willing to put the money out there when they feel like it uh works for them like it's going to end up bettering bettering yeah. their their they their pockets they will fight paying a 2% cost of living increase and fight it to the death but then gladly pay a union busting firm 2 3 million dollars to come in and keep a union out it makes no sense but that just speaks to the level of corruption that they have so basically these union busters want the vote to not like they're trying to change the nurses minds so that there is not a majority mm-hmm. vote to want the union to represent them. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, is yeah. That- so they will kind of do it in phases. So first they're trying to prevent um getting enough of the signed union interest cards, right? Cuz if you don't get enough percentage of that, you can't move forward with an election. But then, so that's the first wave, the first push. And then uh, once they do get enough of the signed union cards and the union will petition the National Labor Relations Board to hold an election and that gets approved, there's typically quite a long time in between uh, getting approved for an election and holding an election, which is really favoring the organization, not the workers. Uh, And so they will use that time to just hardcore go in with the union busting and all of the scare tactics so that by the time the election finally takes place, a lot of those people that signed the original card saying, yeah, I want to be part of a union have now changed their mind and vote against the union. Because they've scared them. They've scared them. Yeah, they're very good at what they do. They're very effective. There's a book out there called... um, diary of a un- or no confessions of a union buster this and it's an older book i don't even know if it's in print anymore you might be able to get it on amazon um and there's youtubes from the guy that wrote it and he switched sides he was a huge rich union buster for a long long time and then really had like a come to jesus and saw the damage it was doing and switched sides and then he now exposes all of the tactics that they use. And it's, it's enlightening if you really want to read about it. It's just crazy. Cause it seems like, I mean, 
not just with union busting, but these scare tactics are used in nursing on a daily basis to yeah to get nurses to do what they want the nurses to do. You know, like I'm thinking like we were talking about on the last um, podcast about reporting um, workplace violence and they will scare you into thinking that you're going to get in trouble for um, filing a police report or mm-hmm. for making a stink about it or for um, writing up an, in- I mean, I've been involved in some of those writing up an incident report, like, and because they're your, your superior and your manager, you're, you're scared to push back and, mm-hmm. and fight for what's right because they hold the power. Like, it's a yeah. very twisted, twisted game. Um, but they are, they're good at it. They know exactly. It's like they go so good at it. So good uh, at it. And they, I mean, make there's a reason they like get paid millions fault. of dollars. You know, there's, there's a reason yeah. they are exceptionally good at brainwashing and manipulating people. And when I talk about like the corporate Stockholm syndrome and drinking the Kool-Aid, like that's the epitome mm-hmm. of it right there. They have it down to a science. When I tell you I had to sit back and watch so many nurses that started out as really good nurses and wanted to transition to management and had only good goals in mind um, and just wanted to be represented by the union, come in there so supportive. And then by the end, just like, it's like they had a lobotomy, you know, it's just, they just couldn't (laughs) even see anything anymore for what it was. They were just falling for the manipulation. it was so hard for me to sit there through those meetings. I would just want to scream at them. Like, weren't you the one that said X, Y, Z, and now you're believing this? Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, like, Come what on, happened? Wake what up. Happened? Yeah, where did, yeah. Hello, where did you go? I know yeah. you were in there. But, but that's yeah, what they do. They are very, very, very good at it. I need to one day do a podcast on... Uh, how I, I have, I forgot all about this, but I have a whole thing about how I, um, applied for a management position and they had already promised the job to somebody else and made me Mm. go through all of the steps and wasted my time because they honestly didn't think anybody else was going to apply for the position. (laughs) It it was a whole, I will have to share that, but, um, the gaslighting and the, shovels of shit that I was fed when I found out that I, this girl had been promised the job because she let it slip out, um, was, uh, we'll, we will save that for another time. Cause it's a kind of a long yeah, story. I want to hear that story. That's, that's probably oh, yeah. a good one. It, I was, I was hurt. I was very hurt because I was more qualified than this other person. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mm-hmm. interviewed better. I had been a nurse longer I was bilingual. I mean, the list goes on and on of why I should. But she have was been probably a friend of someone, right? Yes, she was very good friends with with Suzanne, Suzanne the manager. They were BFF, and Suzanne didn't think anybody else was going to apply because because her, her friend her her friend um had been telling her how bad she wanted this job, you know. So she yeah. told her, "Oh, you'll just." We'll put it up. We'll post it. You'll get it. Didn't think that measly old me was interested and was going to apply. Um, so they made me go through all those motions I, like an idiot, like a complete 
yeah. idiot knowing because they're they can't legally promise it to someone they have i know to that keep positions open and make it appear like it's a fair race so to speak right yeah no it's, they're it not supposed it's to totally do that corrupt. but um uh i i will say years later uh the the my i mean i'll tell the whole story later but years later that nurse manager wrote me a letter she had retired she had cancer she was dying and she sent me a letter apologizing and admitting she was very wrong wow really yes very very wrong she wow. I, I i was very hurt she it, it bothered her all these years it was something Good. that she knew and it bothered her to the point that it was odd because it was been years since that manager had worked there and i get a letter she at was my trying home, to get like right a, with god before yeah. she passed <laughs> yeah, she was. Uh, but I, I'll sh- I'll share all the lies and the gaslighting I went through um, yeah. on another one. Um, but this is going to be a short um, Nurses Uncorked podcast because I, Jessica, have to get my dogs to <laughs> one dog and a cat to the vet um, and I have to be there in 10 minutes. But we wanted to let Erica explain a little bit why she um, or how she started getting involved and in learning so much of the behind the scenes of uh, I'm actually... I'm pleasantly surprised I was more interested, Erica, in this topic today than I thought <laughs> that I would be. So I am going to. I am she going thought to this say was just going to be like a snoring, boring I, I episode. No, I didn't maybe think there it was is a whole people. No, but I didn't think there was a whole like story behind it, like uh, of them, like you know, really trying to shut it down. And I really want to hear about yeah. why they tried to get you <clears> fired, which. You know, I, I know that that's going to be a, a whole good nother. story. So maybe we yeah, will. On the know, next one, I'll share my story and you share yours. I'll okay. share the one that I'm talking about. Oh, that'd be good. Can, yeah. And we yeah, can, and I've been we can get into promising that. and teasing for since I started on social media, like nearly four years ago, that I would share some of these stories. And I think for a long time, I wasn't comfortable doing it. And I have long since passed that point. So. Uh, yeah, I will finally be sharing a lot of the stories yeah, that I have you, alluded to. You or me could save somebody else from being in that same position, and maybe they'll be able to recognize those signs or recognize yeah. what is really going on. Um, so we're going to wrap this up, guys. Um, until next time um, on the next Nurses on Court. Thanks. <laughs>